Hello and welcome to Rollins Around Town. I'm Sam Stark. I serve as Vice President of Communications and External Relations here at Rollins College. Rollins Around Town is a showcase of, of outstanding people who make dynamic and important contributions to the Rollins campus and throughout Central Florida. In either case, these are difference makers who help uplift the mission and brand of Rollins and who help make our region a special place to live, learn, and work. Today, I'm delighted to welcome two guests, Joe Walsh and Fred Guttenberg. These are sort of two non-traditional Rollins around town guests, but they were on uh, campus and um, spoke to some students uh, prior to this and just thought that it made so much sense because of the importance of their conversation and their topic and their story that I just had to bring them on to Rollins around town. So, gentlemen, uh, welcome, and thanks for being with us here at Rollins Around Town. Thanks, Sam. Sam, great to be with you. So, Fred Guttenberg, Fred Guttenberg's daughter, Jamie, uh, was tragically murdered in the Stoneman Douglas High School shooting on February 14th, 2018. His son, Jesse, was fortunate to escape. Uh, Fred is the author of Find the Helpers, What 9-11 and the Parkland, uh, and what Parkland taught me about recovery. He speaks publicly, appears on numerous media platforms, speaking out against uh, gun violence. And one of my, one of my favorite things, he has over 509,000 <laughs> Twitter followers. And if you're not following him, you should, Joe. You should probably be Boom. following Fred. I think I'm going to unfollow him now. <laughs> Joe is Jealous. a former Republican U.S. representative from Illinois and a former Republican candidate for president of the United States. He is the author of F Silence and host of the podcast White Flag with Joe Walsh. He's no slouch. He has 426,000 followers. If you're not Number following two. Nipping, nipping at your heels. You should As be. Ricky Bobby said, if you ain't first, you're last. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so these two guys I follow on Twitter. And I had the pleasure of, of hearing Fred speak at a Florida Philanthropic Network conference several months ago. And uh, Fred and I have a lot in common, just I think um, socially and, and age-wise and a lot of other things. And as he was talking about the tragedy that struck his family, uh, he mentioned Mr. Rogers. And it was right at the time that Rollins was unveiling the sculpture of Mr. Rogers. Unbelievable. And so just all of these things inspired me, which I normally don't do, to go up to the, to the speaker and introduce myself um, and sort of as I was fighting back tears, uh, talking to him about his story and his family, uh, said, you need to come to Rollins. And lo and behold, he gave me a card and, and we started talking. And, and the more we spoke, he, he, he kept it talking about this guy, Joe Walsh. And I thought, he's a great musician. Um, <laughs> but we, we realized it wasn't that Joe Walsh. Uh, but Joe similarly has a great uh, political story. The short of it is, and then we'll get to these two, is these guys are so different in just about every way politically but they have found a way to agree to disagree, to, to communicate uh, civilly, and to share an open mind about important topics in our world. And what they spoke um, about to Rollins students is saving democracy. It's a heavy topic, guys, yeah. but um, tell us a little bit about what saving democracy means to you, Fred. You know... 
and I'm going to put everything in the context of what happened to my family yeah, with regards to gun violence. When my daughter was killed back in 2018, I remember saying back then, I'm going to break the effing gun lobby because I want to remove the, the, those that are holding the potential for legislation and that are holding legislators hostage. I want to remove that effect. And what I found was as I traveled this country, the majority of Americans agree with me. And what I found as I went to state capitals in Washington, D.C., is that a lot of political people agreed with me in their office as well as outside their office. And I found there were also many who agreed with me in their office but would say something outside their office that was different. And I went on this political process of talking to the country and trying to do so in a civil, decent way about saving lives. That was my intent. And since my daughter was killed, we've actually seen elections that have suggested people want more decency, civility, and they want democratic norms to return. And yet we've seen a party in Washington, D.C., that has chosen to go in the other direction, that has really done everything possible to shut down any possibility of working with the other side. And they've used violent rhetoric. They've used, and this is not my phrase, it's theirs, alternative facts, and all sorts of other means to change the way politics in this country work. For me, saving democracy is getting back together with people like my friend Joe over here to talk about where we disagree, but also to figure out a way that works best for the American people so that, so that we can be doing the important things that need to be done. Fantastic. Very powerful perspective. Joe, what, what's sort of your story about why we're saving democracy? I don't know, Sam and Fred, if America can stay together this great experiment in democracy. I think it's teetering right now, and I think the reason it's teetering is uh, I don't know that we as a people share like the common founding principles of what it means to be an American. Uh, Fred talks about the Republican Party, my former political party. I was a Republican for life. Uh, it is a party right now, Sam, that fundamentally doesn't accept the results of an election. Yeah. And and if if you can't do that, elections are like the the heartbeat of 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 a democracy. And if you can't have an election and the people speak and there's a winner and a loser and we fight like cats and dogs but then, you know, it's over and we fight again another day. Um, then the democracy falls apart and we're at that point right now in America where we have way too many Americans who will not accept that basic premise mm -hmm. that the will of the people has to hold. It's scary. Can I say something? Hmm. Yeah, and and I, I really appreciate him bringing that up. You know, in this country, democracy isn't something that necessarily functions on a hard set bunch of laws that says this is how we do it. There's a whole lot of Norman tradition involved. And some of that Norman tradition involves 
accepting the results of an election or not. And what we did see with the last administration and with the party that's in place now is the norms and traditions that have held up this democracy for hundreds of years, they're just no longer accepting. And that is a threat. And, and Joe, you may have better data on this than I do, but I would say there's a hard set, 30-something percent of this country, that is in that position right now. It also means there's 70-something percent of the country that isn't, still the majority. But there's a lot of people in this country who are saying they don't care about the norms and traditions as long as their side wins. The mm -hmm. other, Sam and Fred, the other important point is, and maybe I, I know Fred and I agree on this, Donald Trump is a, is a thoroughly horrible human being. Done. How the heck did he become president? It, it's by definition our politics is broken uh, because a man like that could get elected. So I think it's really important to understand how that happened. How did Trump win? How did he come on the scene? A lot of Americans feel very disenfranchised. They feel uh, uh, unheard. They feel like their politics for a long time, both parties, mm -hmm. has not been listening to them. So they turn to this horrible outsider. I, I don't think we think about that enough. How did Trump win and what does that mean for our politics? What do you what do you think about America first? That concept of political leadership for, I guess at least the executive branch, maybe for the whole country. Um, in 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 principle, Sam, it's it's a it's a proper notion in that as an American, I want uh, what's best for this country to come first. We should always act in our interest, uh, but it's not America alone. And what Trump did and what now it's taken over the Republican Party. It's not America at first. It's America and a middle finger to the rest of the world. It's like patriotism is a really cool thing. Nationalism isn't. Mm -hmm. exactly. And it's, it's become nationalism. Well, well said. Listen, America first, it's a nice slogan. <laughs> And, and and I will say a, by the way, with a very blotted history, let's be clear. Yes. Yeah. And and you know, those who have really taken up the mantle of that slogan, um, I think do so in a way that obliterates what the actual um intent of being an American is. To me, I, listen, I, I'm an American. I think America should be first at everything. I love my country but we should also be the best. Right. And, you know, we should also be good and we should also lead the way. And so if people are using America first as a, as a sledgehammer against being the best example and a shining light to others and to other countries, then I have a problem with it. Uh, you know, so but I love my country, and mm -hmm. I want us to be the best, and I want us to be first. I really do. And I want democracy to survive. And I want people who use certain types of language to stop because, as Joe said, democracy is teetering right now. Yeah. What, what do you say to people, Fred, who say, well, you, just, you just hate Trump? Like, this is all, <laughs> is this all just, you know? Uh, personal attacks on a guy you probably don't like, you probably didn't vote for. I don't 
know Trump, so I don't hate Trump. I hate what Trump says. I hate what Trump does. And and so and I'll give you an example of when I first became acquainted with who he is. Yeah. And it was the day I buried my daughter. Uh, this was only, I think it was four days after the, the shooting. And someone brought my attention to a tweet, a Donald Trump tweet, where that morning, the morning I was burying my daughter, he blamed the Parkland shooting on the Russia investigation. It had nothing to do with the Russia investigation. Um, he had actually been briefed by the FBI the day before. So he knew exactly what happened. And yes, there were FBI failures, but nothing to do with the Russia investigation. But he took my daughter's murder and he politicized it for his benefit. Mm -hmm. So I don't hate Trump. I hate what he does. And I will tell you that morning, uh, I got enraged. The day I'm supposed to bury my daughter, yeah. I started pacing the house. And I sat down, my wife was telling me to like stop and calm down, and I was just so pissed. And I ended up rewriting the end of my daughter's eulogy because of what Trump said that morning in a tweet. And so if, if people think I think Trump is a bad person, if people think I think Trump should never sniff the halls of the White House again, if people think I think Trump is bad for America and democracy. All 100% true. But the person who is Donald Trump, I don't know him. Yeah. I, I voted for Trump in 2016. Right. Don't throw anything at me, Sam. Right. I, I voted for him in 2016. Not it's be, shocking that I'm friends with you now. Not because I loved him or even liked him. Uh, I understood why people supported him. And I still believe this. We talked about it a minute ago. I believe our politics is broken. I believe we needed some disruption. You can have good disruptors or bad disruptors. Right. He is and was a horrible, evil disruptor. Yeah. But our system still needed, and I think still needs some disruption. So I still want to go, I want to go back in time a little bit, but t talk a little bit more about that, right? You're a, a Republican, yeah. a congressman, a sitting yeah. congressman, and you sort of raise your hand and say like, this is our guy. And, but, but then you fairly quickly had a pretty serious change of heart. Or how, Tell us about the evolution of that change. Uh, not as quickly as it should have been. Uh, I, again, I wasn't, I never paid enough. You and I have talked about this, mm -hmm. Fred. I'm uh, when in that campaign, I'm on the radio, a couple hundred stations all over the country, former congressman. I'm on Fox News every day. Uh, again, I understand the people who voted for Trump voted for me. They were my people. Mm -hmm. And I understood what they wanted. Um, I didn't take Trump seriously. I figured he's, he's a, a goof. He's a big bore. He'll get elected, play a lot of golf, maybe hire a couple good people, and a couple good things might happen. The moment he got elected, Sam, and I started to pay attention to him, I found out the guy lies every time he opens his mouth. Mm -hmm. I started to immediately go south on him. And remember, I'm still this conservative media guy. Mm -hmm. And as I go south on Trump, I'm losing my advertisers. I'm losing my <laughs> listeners. I'm losing my appearances on Fox News. Sam, the final straw for me was Helsinki the summer of 2018. Mm. When that jackass, I think I can say that on the radio, um, stood in front of the world with Putin right. and said, I believe him and not my own people. 
That was the greatest act of disloyalty I've ever seen in an American president. I went on the radio that night and said, I'm going to do everything I can to defeat him. That was the beginning of the end. Yeah. Can, can I ask this? Because yeah, it gets to this whole notion of democracy and, and, and Americans kind of teetering. And maybe we all have an obligation to, to rethink the way we think about some of the stuff. Because when you changed, when you started to restate how you felt about Trump, I thought about you, that's a, he's being political. He's got to have a, a motive. <laughs> yeah. I didn't believe you. Yeah. And, and I think we as Americans find it far too easy to just assume improper motivation, improper intent, to not believe somebody if they change their mind, to not believe somebody if they're doing something other but, than what you would have witnessed. But Fred, because I was the hellraiser on the right, I had to prove myself. I couldn't turn on Trump on a dime. So Sam and Fred, I had to, I had to work to get Biden elected and work to get other Democrats elected. I had to prove myself to people. You like did. You it did. Took some time. But but listen, and I'll never forget because you with a you reached out to me to follow up on a tweet. That I, I got I the wrong out. number. I was trying to get somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> it was through Twitter, buddy. Right. Um, and, and 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 I replied, and we actually instead of just sort of dismissing each other even though a lot of people who saw the exchange were telling us we should yeah we spoke and, and like what a concept what if we Americans could start like talking to one another again even though we may disagree even though I may have once thought you were way off base and yes I once thought he was crazy I mean what if we do Actually, if, if the seeing the two of us talk gets others to say, hey, you know what? Let's bring the temperature down a little bit and try right. that. I, I that's what I want out of this. Right. Who who was Fred Guttenberg? You know, before this tragedy, right? Like, I mean, you you, you kind of were just probably just a guy that's doing a your thing, question. raising your kids. It's a great question. Who were you before all this? I was a goofy dad. Yeah, I, I had a business. <laughs> that I had just oops I, that I had just sold um, about a year before the shooting and and in the year before the shooting that year I was actually taking care of my brother who was sick with cancer yeah. and who died because of cancer related to his service in 911 he ran right. the triage for the World Trade Center right so when we talk about concepts of patriotism and heroism I lived around one my brother was a hero um, and so nobody will ever get to tell me about patriotism or heroism. But I was a dad. I was a husband. I was the guy that was wanting to... A gearhead. You were probably oh, a Oh, I am a gearhead. I'm a car nut. Gun, a car nut. I'm a total car nut. Um, but every hockey game and practice for my son, I was there. For dance... My wife was at all of the, the practices, but I was at every event. My Every vacation my wife and I ever took, we never took a vacation by ourselves. Right. Everything we did was always with our kids. That's who I was. I was a dad. And the truth is, Sam, I, I don't know that that has changed. I'm sure it hasn't. I, I, I don't see myself as anything but a dad reacting to what happened to his two children. 
It's the reason why you never hear me talk about running for politics. I've been asked, but it's just, that's not who I am. Right. You know, it's the reason why you don't see me um, going to join some of these larger advocacy groups. I've been asked, it's not who I am. I am Fred Guttenberg, dad to Jesse and Jamie, doing this his way, using his voice mm-hmm. to talk to people who agree with me, to talk to people who don't agree with me, and hoping that we can get some change. This doesn't get said enough, Sam, but the absolute worst nightmare that could befall a parent happened to Fred. No doubt. And what he's done these past years, turning that into, really, I'll say it, you can rephrase me if you want, you're on a mission uh, to to save democracy, but you're on a mission to save your country. I know you believe that in your heart. You are on a very public mission because of the hell that happened to you. That's so incredible. Yeah. At the end of the day, I want to save lives. Right. I I don't want another parent to go through this. And in order to be able to do the things politically to save lives that I want to do, we also need to save democracy, and we need to bring down the threat of violence in this country. Joe, I guess probably the same kind of question for you. Like, who, you know, who were you before you were the U.S. representative, a House of Representatives member from Illinois? Um, a, a dad, but uh, I, just some, a, a student of America and politics. Uh, I taught American government and American history a lot. So I've always been so into the political history of this country. I had kids early. Uh, so when my kids got older, I um, had an opportunity to run for Congress and take my my love of this country and try to apply it. Yeah. Do you, what's your memory from serving in Congress as a great example of bipartisanship? <laughs> That's a good question, Sam. <laughs> by, by the time I got there in 2010, uh, D.C. was already a divisive, divisive place. Yeah. You're, you, we were incentivized and encouraged not to talk to the other side. I had one big advantage. My Republican Party didn't like me. Um, uh, 62 of us got elected that year, and I was the only one the party didn't help get elected. Wow. So <laughs> I, I was too crazy Tea Party for the Republican Party. <laughs> um, so I began to befriend Democrats more. Interesting. And get along with Democrats more. Dennis Kucinich, he and I sponsored a couple bills together. Um, but no, even by then, Sam, the whole notion of bipartisanship was pretty much gone. Yeah. Fred, your lane is is, is clearly democracy, but you obviously have a, a very special yeah. element to that, which is guns, gun yeah. control, gun violence, what what have you. What what have you had any successes? Some successes, like how would you rate your work and your progress, more your progress since the tragedy? So, and I don't call it gun control. I think for me, helping this country to kind of reframe what it is has been a big deal. And it's, and it's we're gun violence prevention. We want to reduce gun violence. But have we had successes? Enormous. If, if you would have told me when my daughter was killed, Politically, that we would have flipped the House to doesn't matter. I'm not. It doesn't matter if you're a Democrat or Republican, but a House that supports doing something about reducing gun violence. 
if you would have told me we would have elected a president who would sign legislation reducing gun violence and a Senate that would be controlled by a party that wants to do something about gun violence only four years after my daughter was killed, have all that done, I would have told you no chance, but we did. The day after my daughter was killed, when I spoke at the Parkland Vigil, I walked in my house that night and I said, I'm going to break that effing gun lobby. That's what I told my family. And we did. This past April, the president signed legislation enacting the first gun violence prevention legislation into law in 30 years. It wasn't as big as I would have liked. It wasn't all that I would have hoped, but it was gun violence prevention legislation, and it will save lives. It showed for the first time we were finally able to break through that wall. Now it's no longer can we or can't we do what we need to do. It's only a question of what the options are and how much we can get past. It's a big deal. What what can listeners do to to help, to learn more? You know, if you could tell the you know, millions and millions of listeners here. Um, what, what can they do right now to help this specific effort? I appreciate that question, and I want them all to do it today. Don't just plan to vote. Have a voting plan and do it today. And what that means is check your ID. Is it accurate? Does it match your voter registration? Check your voter registration to be sure. Mm -hmm. Make sure everything you need to do to vote is in place so that you won't get to election day or early voting and find out that you can't. Mm. Don't be a voter that can't vote. And in a state like Florida where there has been an effort to make it harder to vote, all the more important that you do it the second you hear this. Don't wait. And in Florida, we can do early voting. We can do vote by mail. Do everything you possibly can to choose one of those options and not to wait until election day. Don't leave anything to chance. It's the most important thing you can do right now. The other thing, uh, Sam, vote, vote, vote. Yes. Uh, We are uber, uber divided in this country. One of the reasons we're uber divided is we're all siloed in where we go to get informed in our media and who we talk to. Every young person listening to us right now, hang out with people who don't think like you. Mm. Uh, Talk politics and policy with people who don't think like you. Don't just go to one source on the web that confirms what you believe. Challenge your beliefs. Uh, This is becoming a real, real big problem in this country, and it adds to our divisiveness. Yeah. Well, and not to make things more divisive, but um, when you vote in this election, I worry about the next election after, but in this election, only vote for Democrats. And I say that because at this moment in time, they're the only party that actually still supports democracy. Only vote for Democrats. We can get forward and and, and look at you know who to vote for again in future elections. But in this one right. election. Don't leave it to chance. It's an easy thing for him to say. Yeah, I kind of want to hear it from you because when we were doing some of our pre-work, you know, Uh, that was was your message. It's an easy thing for Fred to say, but it's the right thing to say. It's a more difficult thing for me to say as someone who's not a Democrat, as someone who is politically very conservative. 
my former political party right now is a party that is openly attacking democracy. Uh, policy differences right now don't mean squat. Um, I also believe, and I know Fred believes, and Sam, I'm sure you believe, we need two parties in this country. The, the, we're not, we're not going to get there if these crazy Republicans win. So if you want to get a sane Republican Party, beat them now. This, right? is, this is the time. Beat this version of this party so we can go back to a time where there is a Republican Party that can disagree with the other party but work for the good of America. Let's bring the middle back. So we talked a little bit about that before, right? There's there's sort of extremists. You're calling them crazies. I probably couldn't argue on both sides. How, how do you, you know, Fred especially, how do you rationalize with that? Um, are there democratic crazies who who will who will not help our democracy? Yeah. And listen, there's extremes on both sides. Here's here's the difference. When you look at the party as a whole and the leadership as a whole of the two parties, one party is so extreme that they're willing to go against the Constitution and against democracy and against the, the outcome of a vote, and one party is not. Right. You know, does that mean that both parties don't have extreme elements? No, I'm not suggesting that at all. But one party still supports democracy, still supports the Constitution, and still accepts the vote. Yeah. We, we, you know, Sam, we, we, we're so bombarded every day, those of us who think about this stuff. Step aside for a moment. Two years ago, the leader of the Republican Party led a coup to violently overthrow an American election. Right. That happened. Right. That guy is still the leader of that party. Um, as long as that's the case, uh, and all of my former colleagues, Republican colleagues, most of them privately don't like Trump, uh, but, but they need to be defeated right now. Mm -hmm. And people died that day, including law enforcement. That's right. And that party that takes up this patriotism mantle and acts as if they support America. On that day, they were all in for killing law enforcement, calling them pigs. They wanted to hang the vice president. <laughs> That's what they wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Let's be clear about something. I'm not a Democrat. I think I, I disagree with most things Joe Biden has done since he got elected. I disagree with virtually everything progressives want to do with this country. But I'm putting all of that over here right now right. until we uh, until we can defeat this other threat because yeah. it's more important. Sort of a higher calling for sure. Yes. Yeah. Because, it, I mean, that, that was one of the striking things when I first sort of heard you say it is vote Democrat. And I said, like, oh. for forever? And, and really the answer, at least in your mind, which I don't necessarily disagree with, is until there's sort of a more balanced Republican Party again. I'm, a, I'm an old guy. I, I think it could be for most of the rest of my life. What does an ideal, what's a good Republican Party look like to you? Uh, a party that, why, why I was a Republican from the beginning, a party that believes in freedom, free trade, free markets, limited government, free speech, 
uh, a, 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 a balanced budgets, um, a party that believed in freedom and tolerance and opportunity for all. My former party now wants to build a wall around the country and keep people out. I, I, the Republican Party used to believe in welcoming legal immigrants. We've lost that. And let's, the, the heir apparent to Trump was playing games over the past week, flying people around the country, <laughs> and let it be known that he had a plan to do so again at Delaware yesterday. And it turns out it was a fake plan. And, and he, he, he said, look, everybody got pumped. He thought it was funny. He thought it was a joke doing this kind of thing. It's so anti-American right. what he did. And he said, yeah, America got pumped. And this same person, while he's playing these games that are so anti-democracy, he's leaving the job of being governor of the state he was elected to be governor of undone. You know, there are big things in the state that need to be dealt with. And he's not, while he's busy punking the country. And the, the more cogent point to uh, what Fred is saying about DeSantis is Trumpism mm -hmm. uh, has moved beyond Trump. Yeah. So if right. Trump left tomorrow, Sam, it would be DeSantis or somebody super Trumpy. Right. Because that's what this party is now. A guy like Larry Hogan, who I could vote for in a New York minute, could never win a presidential primary. Uh, uh, Mitt Romney could never win a presidential primary. Never. Right. No. Well, and you look at a, a, someone like Liz Cheney, a former vice president's she daughter. Lost. Right. She can't even win now in her own home state, which is pretty Republican. When I'm the guy defending Liz Cheney, <laughs> the world is turned upside down. What do you tell a college student? What are you going to tell Rollins College kids, students, um, to do to to make? You know, society, democracy, a little bit more like what we remember it as when we were kids. Uh, I w uh, what I tell every young person that I speak with, I don't know if America will still be America in 40 years. Uh, we don't get to pick when we're placed on this earth. Right now, America is going through a real revolutionary period. I don't know how it's going to turn out. You better pay attention and you better get involved. I think America's going through this because America as a country for far too many election cycles has done a terrible job of voting. And I don't mean we voted for the wrong people. I mean too many of us didn't vote. Mm. And so we've ended up with the wrong people. The only way to fix this is to vote. Don't sit on the sidelines and say, this is going to happen in spite of me and I can't do anything because you can't. If more of us vote, we can fix this. Yeah. I'm, I'm old enough. I'm probably, we're probably all about the same age uh, to remember when Democrats and Republicans, they, they got along and they compromised and it was quite friendly and charming. And boy, it's evolved now where Democrats kind of hate Democrats and Republicans kind of hate Republicans. And boy, the other, they yes. sure hate the opposite yeah, side yeah, too. Yes, yes. And, and uh, I know we pine for that kind of a day. And there's some goodness in that kind of politics. But I will tell you, Sam, because this is what helped get me elected, mm -hmm. um, that kind of politics where Republicans and Democrats were part of the same <laughs> club and they rubbed elbows and they hung out in Washington, D.C. and spent everybody else's money, the American people got pissed off at that. Mm -hmm. There was a little too much of the both sides getting along and, and our problems grew um, so what we what did we do? We went in the exact opposite direction of that. The right. answer is somewhere in the middle. 
I, I would agree with that. I, I don't th listen. It's nice to envision a day where everybody yells at each other during the day and then goes out and has a beer at night. Great. Um, but your job there is to do the work of the American people. And so if you got to argue things out, argue them out. But at the end of the day, do come to a place where you can affect the lives of the most American people in the most positive way. And it's not necessarily going to be all on the left side or all on the right side of the solutions. But the only way to get there, again, not necessarily to get along and be best friends, but to talk. But Sam, to your point, you make a really good point. Now, someone you disagree with politically now is like your mortal enemy. Right. And it didn't used to be that way. Right. And that is extremely dangerous and unhealthy. I asked this to, you know, Rollins' guests, mostly about Rollins College and, and our campus and our, you know, our, our it's entity. It's beautiful here. I want to go back to school. <laughs> it really is nice. Um, what's your snap your finger, you know, and make it happen wish? I mean, you probably both touched on it a little bit, but I'm talking immediate. Like, if you truly snap your finger and this happens, what what's this? I'll say one thing immediate. Make Trump and the Trump effect go away. Yeah. That's number one. And then, I guess as a number two, I would tell everyone listening to go take the time to engage somebody who you know you don't agree with mm. and force yourself to sit down with that person and just talk to them. Yeah. Because you may be shocked at how many places you can find you agree on. And, and I'll use Joe and I as the example. Because I thought... Listen, I, I, I thought he was, was a kook, and, and I thought that I didn't, that there was no chance you and I could ever come to an agreement until we started talking. And you realized I have no issue with legal lawful gun owners, and I realized Joe actually thought it was reasonable to want to reduce the gun violence death rate and the instances of gun violence. All of a sudden, we're agreeing on something, and we can start talking about ways to do that that we agree on take the time to engage people you it's it's i always tell people it's always easy to talk to someone who you agree with but it's always necessary to talk to someone who you don't my my like sam my, my snap is my hope and prayer for this country is revolutionary change comes soon i i keep going back to this a only a very broken, divided country would put someone like him in the White House. This is still a broken, divided country. I think we need to change how we vote. I think we need to think about getting rid of the Electoral College. I think we need to think about a third or a fourth or a fifth major party. We, our system needs revolutionary change, I think, to be saved. Is that, I, I've thought about this and had drinks with friends about this. Is, is our constitution part of the solution? Or is our constitution as is? Always. It'll always be part of the solution. In other words, can it be it's changed? The, Should yes. it be changed? Yeah, yeah it's okay. part of the problem and the solution. Okay. And, and yeah. again, as we all know, our founders made it very difficult to change. Right. They advocated incremental change. Yep. But change comes, but change is not going to come from Democrats or Republicans in D.C. I think change is only going to come from outside of D.C. And it's going to take, I think, massive change. Yeah. And it may be something, Sam, like getting rid of the Electoral College. And, and, and listen, I do th 
think the Constitution should be a document that lives and evolves with us and the country and technology and, and everything else. And yet the idea of change has to also be mitigated against the intentions of some mm -hmm. who want to change it. Um, and so how you go about that, Oof. I have, no, I'm not that smart. Right. Well, I'll, I'll close with, with, with a question for Fred and, and, and indulge me, Joe. Fred, mm -hmm. You know, I, I just got to think, and I've thought about it since I met you. How do you how do you do it? Like, how do you go on? And I'll start breaking down myself. How how do you do it? How do you how do you go on after what happened to you and your sweet daughter? On February fourteenth, two thousand eighteen, Valentine's Day, a day of love, I woke up to send my two children to school, and only one of them came home, and. The answer to your question is by never forgetting that I'm always a dad responding to what happened to his two kids. My daughter was a petite little thing, but she was tough as nails. I've seen the video of what happened to her. I've watched her fight for her life. And what she went through required strength. What my brother went through when he was at the bottom of the World Trade Center and it was collapsing required strength. And they stand on my shoulders far stronger than I'll ever need to be. All I have to do is continue this knowing they have my back. Uh, Sam, uh, my final word. Uh, I have said often publicly that I think the American people have grown fat, lazy, and stupid. We're not, we're not involved enough. We're not engaged enough. Uh, this man lost a daughter, and he could have just folded his tent and gone away. Right. And he's involved and engaged doing all he can do. My God, nobody out there has an excuse not yeah. to be politically involved. Yeah, agree. Thank you. Wow, you guys are amazing. Uh, this is a great discussion. I could go on and on and listen to you for hours and hours. And thank you. Thank you for coming to Rollins. Thank you for being part of Rollins Around Town. Thank you for your advocacy and civility most importantly, with, uh, Thank you. with with heart issues. So uh, really appreciate you both. Special thanks to David, our awesome uh, Rollins student who's uh, operating our board today. To keep updated on all of our shows and guests, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Rollins Around Town and subscribe to our podcast, Rollins Around Town on Apple, Google, and Spotify. So with that, we thank uh, Joe Walsh, Fred Guttenberg, and we wish you a great day. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks Sam. Sam.